What's up, man? How's it going? And that's a leading question. <laughs> that is a leading question. <laughs> I'm I'm good, man. How are things there with you? Oh, it's good. The sun is shining uh, for once in uh, Copenhagen. So, uh, but I'm inside as usual. So. Yeah, I got the exact same thing. It's a beautiful day, and I'm I'm sitting huddled up, literally wrapping myself around a bandsaw because it's the only quiet place that's not going to make a bunch of audio disturbance <laughs> to record this. Uh, so I've actually got my laptop sitting balanced on the bed of my bandsaw, and it's just getting covered oh. in dust. And but I that do this because I'm a man of the people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so I'm asking how things are going because and it was a leading question because i know like uh, yesterday you kind of hulked out <laughs> so uh, uh <laughs> let me hear what what uh, tell me your problems uh, now i'm your i'm your therapist so oh i'm getting old i'm getting fat i drink too much i'm not as intelligent as i used to be uh boy how much time do we have <laughs> <laughs> No, no, we 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 started this discussion, you and I, yesterday, just sort of socially catching up, and we figured actually it would be good to sort of slam the brakes on it and come back today and and actually record it in the form of this uh, audio sketchbook kind yeah, of podcast exactly. thing that we have here. Um, so we really, we have absolutely no agenda, and to be frank, we have no idea what we're talking about, um, but I think that's kind of the best way to do it. No, I think what what sparked off the conversation yesterday is is just this massive prevalence of of just copycats of people yeah. just I I don't even want to romanticize it by saying doing homage pieces because that's an absolute pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Basically, I always call them shitbirds. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that in a podcast, but yeah, just to say it. I think get along. <laughs> Let's get cancelled. Uh, it's the equivalent of seagulls that just fly around in circles, just waiting to sort of pick away at your lunch the moment that you're not watching. Yeah. And and it just seems to be so like it just seems like I'm just grumping about this all the time. But man, it just it just happens on a daily basis. Yeah. Um and and it's also just like it's not just you know riffing on the same design design elements. It's people that are actually you know just copying like one to one a design and uh, basically using the same suppliers everything, and that's uh, like what the fuck, man. And you don't want this... student student writer or something like that because then you you'll just be you know. Um, Goliath in the story of David and Goliath. So. Well, exactly. It would be kind of... Well, you know, I don't... I, for me, it feels like we're kind of entering a bit of a post-Instagram era. Thank yeah. God. Because um, a couple years ago, you know, it was all about <clears throat> these little groups and cliques. And there was the makers movement and there was the indies movement. And, you know, I obviously, uh, I, I was doing a lot of work in, in rings and stuff by, by a black badger. And there was like about, I'd say maybe eight or 10 of us that weren't just kind of screwing around in our garage on a weekend. This was our job. 
you know, I'm an educated designer. I've had Black Badger for 15 years now, and it's it's feeding my kids. Like, I'm not just kind of goofing with this. But the best thing about something like Instagram as a platform is that it puts everybody on a level playing field. So in yeah. theory, the Mercedes Instagram feed has just as much clout as mine does. Obviously, you, you can spend a whole crap load to promote it and stuff. I'm not really talking about that. But as far as the basic visual platform, we're all invited to the same party. We're all sitting mm-hmm. at one giant table. And that's really cool. Yeah. The problem, it's a, it's the a problem is that we're all sitting at the same damn table. And you don't know who this jackass is sitting next to you anymore. And, yeah. And, and, and it's kind of like if you have trust in a in a community, right, where, where you just help each other uh, figure things out in your own way not doing the same fucking thing uh, as everybody else. But, you know, if if you're making rings and another guy is making, I don't know, watches, then and then there's a lot of things that you can help each other with, and that's a good thing. You're but exactly just... right. The way that I first got into using all the glow material was actually through, through a really good friend of mine, John Gonzalez, who's a spectacular knife maker. Mm. Uh, it's got a brand called Dervish, Dervish Knives, and it's just oh, yeah. awesome. And and he's the one, and I've said this a million times, he's the one that sort of tipped me off on this weird solid glow-in-the-dark material that a bunch of the knife makers were using to put a little a little highlight of light into something. Oh, that's cool. Right? That's, so this I came from yeah. custom knives. I sort of brought it into jewelry. And then from yeah. jewelry, it kind of got the attention of the watch industry. And then from there, I'm I'm sitting here talking to you like it all but it all started from there okay that but that's actually a cool idea but amongst this little group of helping ourselves like whenever one of my friends would would put out some really amazing new piece you know you would you would repost your Mm. friend's work and say look what look what joe did look what louie did look what susan did holy god they're amazing go buy their stuff you know support and they would do it for me and we would you know even going back to the follow friday uh Mm. twitter uh hashtag every friday you would just do hashtag ff and just show people your network help people discover new talent new designers new art and it was great and it actually helped me a massive amount now people just kind of wait to see what you've done and and go well you know what oh geez wow james charges uh three hundred dollars for that no, oh, I think I could probably, uh, you know, if I sold it for fifty dollars, I'd be happy. Yeah, I'm like okay. And they go around, and I can see the pictures that they've liked, and they've liked every picture where I've mentioned. Oh well, I use black titanium. That comes from Spector Titanium in Florida, who's a company I'm really good friends with. Or the Fordite comes from this guy, who's my main source, and all this. And because I'm buying piles and piles and piles of material from these guys. I'm usually getting it obviously for a fairly good price yeah. as compared to somebody just off the street. And I'm buying several thousand dollars worth of Fortnite a month. So I'm, I'm tagging my suppliers as a bit of a thank you to help them drum up new business. But then something comes out that makes a hell of a lot of noise. You know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. You know, having a picture of him wearing one of his rings with some Fortnite in it. And then suddenly I talk to my say Fordite supplier. <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, business is up 1500%. Wow, thanks. Everyone says, can I get the stuff James has? And oh, by the way, I'm now sold out for four months. Mm. You, you know, so it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, 
and that's just an analogy, you know, I'm sort of helping a buddy with his business, but at the same time, I'm kind of screwing myself on it. Yeah, exactly. But it, so, I, 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 this is also, you know, it, it's something that's, uh, there's a culture also in, in people who buy stuff where it's kind of like, you know, you can see it with homage watches. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I but I can, get, I, I can get that same movement and uh, the same design for uh, 500 bucks. Yeah, but <laughs> it's not the same thing. Why would you buy something that looks like something else if it's not the real thing? Why would you go have a Rolex Submariner copy uh, for people to ask, hey, did you buy a Rolex? No, it's not a Rolex. It's an homage. Fuck you. Like it's not it's, it's not an homage. It's a it it's a shit copy. And that just yeah. bothers me because uh, I try and avoid a lot of online watch forums. In fact, I don't think I belong to a single one anymore because it always ends up just being some kind of a some kind of a grump fest. Yeah. Uh, like I'm doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> a lot of times when somebody would say, and, and we'll we'll pick Rolex because I you know it's easy to pick on the big brand. Someone says, well, I don't want to have to pay $15,000 for this Rolex. I don't want to have to wait three years. So screw them. I bought this homage and it's just as good. And this just fundamentally just Fs me off to the worst degree yeah. because it's this feeling, it's the sense of entitlement. Yeah, exactly. And that's it's not okay. It's no different than me saying, like we talked about yesterday, I would love to be able to buy my wife some really funky, sexy little convertible Mercedes or something, right? Yeah. Can't afford it. Fine. But that doesn't mean that it's my fault. Is it Mercedes' no, no, no. fault? No, it's my fault for not having the money for it. Does that give me the right to go into town, see one on the street, and steal it? <laughs> yeah. Does it? Of course it doesn't. That's ludicrous. So but why, if someone said a Rolex costs too much, I'm going to go support a crappy little factory making knockoffs? And then kind of pride, you know, proudly show it around like, oh, it's an homage. Yeah, yeah. The, the problem is pop. also it, it, it's kind of like that same. If you can't afford a Rolex, then that's all right. Like that, that's most people in the world. But then exactly. there's tons of brands, smaller brands, that you could buy, like for five hundred thousand dollars. That's actually creative. That has actually done something them, themselves. That's not just a copy of Rolex. Yeah. They're going out of their way. They're going out of their way to take your attention away from the yeah. big fancy expensive yeah. brands. That's genius. That's yeah. Seven Friday brew watches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, mean, yeah. I, I could list about twenty of these. I mean, and and they're bloody fantastic at it. Yeah. But the amount of and this is always these crappy uh, Facebook ads that are just randomly showing up, and it's always got some kind of clickbaity. You know, yeah. we're gonna. We're going to disrupt the industry. Yeah. This, this is the watch Switzerland doesn't want you to see. And I'm like, yeah. I, I promise they're not for you. Filippo Loretti. Bingo. But it's always so unbelievably derivative yeah. of a Rolex Submariner. Um, I mean, I was well, having a conversation with, with uh, Ricky from Scottish Watches. Granted, he's Scottish, so I couldn't understand most of it. But... <laughs> But it was it was something like um, the, the there was some watch that had come out. I, I for the life of me can't remember the brand, but it was like a sort of a smaller indie brand, little startup kind of thing. And he looks at the watch and he goes, "Okay, the hands are from 
a tutor from five <laughs> years ago. The case yeah. design is from this. The, yeah. the dial font on the logo is is uh, Christoph Ward. It just he had about twenty five different things. <clears throat> yeah. And he said it looked it looked like a ransom note where you just <laughs> where you just cut fucking letters out of the magazine if you want to see your daughter again. Um, yeah. And it just it, that's just such a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, and, but it's it's so easy to go to China, right? And then just like uh, pick far from shelves and say, "Hey, I want this, this, and this. It should look like this." And then you pay like you know, it's fifty dollars or something for for a watch, even less with packaging, with everything. This OEM uh, much much less, buddy. I mean, I remember yeah. talking to um, well, names, but uh, somebody who knew the inner workings of. Daniel Wellington, um, oh, yeah. and and it was something like uh, you know they were ten bucks. They, they have a really nice uh, sort of flagship boutique on Carnaby, oh yeah, uh, in uh, London. And it was quite close to the G Shock boutique where I was there talking to our friend Mikey, and and it was something like oh they they have a new watch and there was a massive amount of people looking outside and stuff and it was like you know uh, five six hundred dollar watch whatever it was and he's like. And we, this friend of mine was like, yeah, you, you, you know, that watch costs under $6 to make. Yeah. Like you actually, the, the brand is paying between four and $6 for that watch. And they're paying 500 bucks, you know, in the yeah. boutique for it because it's not a Rolex because they don't want to support the big faceless indie brands. And somehow they've given the impression that they're this uh, little the little engine that could little honest, you know, hardworking little Scandinavian brand. And they're not, they're a massive corporation. You, you, you gotta have some respect for the guy behind it because he's a good, uh, uh, marketing guy. That's well, basically I, it. Right. Without, but, a doubt, but, without a doubt. But it's basically, you know, I, I think a lot of times that there's especially like one group of the, the customers and, <laughs> Now I'm getting into trouble for, for probably like shitting on some customers, but let's get that, canceled. There's a group of like watch geeks and customers that think about watches as only something uh, where you can kind of calculate the value because you can Flippers. take the movement, you can take the 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 steel, you can take everything, you can take oh, the yeah, strap, yeah. and then say, okay, it has this value. But what they don't see that goes into actually making a a unique design is the design process and that's what costs money it costs money to actually come up with a good idea try a lot of things like uh, it, it, like us for example like we have tried so many different things and people don't see those experiments to actually get to something like you know our uh, the dark matter or even dark one you know and, yeah yeah and, and the problem is that that amount of time, that amount of money that you put into that, on top of that, there's, of course, also engineering, actually engineering a, a entire new you know, watch also is expensive, also requires a lot of skill. And on top of that, one of the things we do is, is kind of like, you know, material experiments, try out <coughs> new uh, uh, materials. That costs a lot of money. It costs a lot. It takes a lot of time. And I think a lot of people yeah. don't actually know 
that that's also what you pay for when you pay for a, something that costs more than $500. Well, and um, I think if it's, uh, if I can speak from the perspective of sort of materials and, and design and that kind of stuff, I, I think a lot of people have this kind of viewpoint that the design industry, it's nothing but these eureka moments, you yeah. know, where you and I are sitting in a pub sipping expensive scotch and then suddenly I've got it. And, you know, yeah. and we do 10 minutes of sketches and here's the arc four or arc 10 or whatever it's going to be. And it's not, it yeah. is hours of soul crushing work of putting your fist through the wall of throwing computers across the room yeah. and, and literally squeezing, squeezing you know, blood out of a stone. So to yeah. speak. and even yeah. like, like with the materials and stuff. Yeah. It, it's easy enough to go, Hey buddy, for the next watch, I think we should make it out of, uh, carrots i think it would be really <laughs> cool to make a watch out of carrots so yeah that's really funny okay haha but here's the thing if you want somebody to buy it the amount of developmental research that has to go into making sure that your funny carrot watch doesn't crap its pants 10 minutes after you buy it because yeah. then you're going to have a whole problem with repairs and returns and exchanges and refunds and suddenly you're bankrupt over a funny idea but also to make it make sure that it looks good like just you know yeah. just figuring out finishes on things because that could change the whole look of a watch like you know yeah. if you change the finish on the, the on the hands we have tried this <laughs> it changes the entire like uh, all, all the other finishes on the watch like if it's polished or if it's uh, microblasted <laughs> or if it's matte if it's not matte you need to change that accordingly. You can't just change one element and then think that, yeah. okay, that would work. So a lot of it also goes into, you need to make sure that that carrot watch actually also looks good. So you need to experiment a lot with, you know, how do we bring forth the, the right colors? How do we actually get this to look as something people would buy? And uh, like the design process, we also talked about this. Uh, you know, I kind of want to do a watch out of carrots now. Yeah, we should do that. I'm we, sitting we talk, here thinking. <laughs> we, we talked about this just before that the design process is really, you know, like uh, a game of uh, Super Mario Brothers. Like you yep. need to you need to die uh, five times before you can actually get to the end of the level. And you need to die a lot of times before you actually uh, win the game, right? So, and if you just copy other people's work, if you're taking a design you already know that will sell, if you are if you are just you know copying the suppliers, if you're just copying the the exact process that some other guy has done and has shown just to you know be a nice guy to that that is cheating. <laughs> it's it, basically it, it playing a game where, where where you just <clears throat> start from the end, and uh, and I think that's the fucking annoying thing about copying and. Uh, of course, there's also, you know, we we have also had uh, had this chat because sometimes people also just come up with the same ideas, right? Well, that's it, absolutely it, a factor. I mean, we're all looking at the same sources of inspiration. I mean, it's it's not that massive of an industry, and everyone's looking to car design and architecture and art, and you know, we're all probably watching the same movies. Everyone's watching all the same series and stuff. Everybody yeah. wants to do a friggin' Obi-Wan Kenobi piece or something like that now, Yeah, um, which I would love to. So you're always going to kind of bump into each other like that. Yeah. But I don't, the The problem that I've had a couple times, um, and I'm going back to rings here, but 
one of my really good buddies, a guy named Louie, uh, he and I have been the sort of Coke, Coke and Pepsi of, of Instagram ring makers. We, we've been butting heads for years and years and years. He's, he's a great guy, but he's, he's good enough that it kind of makes me go, shit, okay, I got I to gotta step up my game here because this guy's, yeah. you know, he's not screwing around. He's really on it. And there's been a couple pieces that we've done that kind of look similar because they're using materials that are very in, whether it was mm. uh, superconductor or glow materials or Fordite or even just carbon fiber and this kind of stuff several years ago. Now, he and I didn't mind. You know, we'd, we'd be sending messages back and forth like, oh, you beat me to it. Oh, I see you got the new purple glow before I did. Ah, oh, damn you. You must have talked to Dave at this company. Oh, okay. Oh, you know, and, and, and it was fun. You know, it was, we were kind of raising each other's level. What would be a problem is somebody would go on to this guy's post of his new ring and say, oh, it's a fucking Black Badger ripoff. Yeah. Or somebody would go on to one of yeah. my posts and go, oh, fucking Louie did it better. I'm like, so yeah. they're sort of creating this battle where there where there yeah. really wasn't one. And I mean, it, it's kind of the same thing that we're seeing a bit where a lot of people, not a lot, bloody hell, three, three people have, have, have sort of commented on the dark matter piece going, yeah, it really looks like a, a Ming. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I've, you know, a couple of people have looked at the Ming stuff and goes, oh, yeah, yeah, it really looks like that uh, Arcanaut one. Yeah. Yeah, but but most sure. <laughs> people the prop the problem with that and uh, we we have we have discussed this a lot of times uh, over the past you know week or something because at first I thought that okay Ming is coming up with the dashed lines thing uh, the same way as as our design and they will probably use it once because they usually change the, the dial design from from model to model but now they it seems that they they are going to implement that as a as a a a, a thing and mm. it, it doesn't matter if we were first because um, it's basically and, and i it's not intentional from ming side at all no, no. No, no. it's basically just us thinking the exact same thing and that's okay but uh, I, I just think it's something that we have talked about if we should change the design because a lot of people will make that um, connection because Ming is the big guy. So it, it, it's not going to be people, a lot of people going, hey, for that's, now. yeah, we'll yeah for that. We'll, for, we'll catch for, for now, for, for now. <laughs> but, but still, that's the thing, right? And I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Uh, also, you you need to have competitors, right? You you and Lou, right? Uh, Jobs needs uh, Gates and vice versa because uh, yeah, you need exactly to it. you you need to have people that actually pushes you to do new things and to be even better. And that's sometimes that you have like good competitors, and sometimes you will do some of the same things, but that shows you okay, we need to maybe go in another direction because. Uh, because yeah, we, we are thinking the same thought, so we are maybe not as creative creative as we thought. But that's not the same thing as as you know stealing the suppliers, stealing you know the the exact same design, taking the same materials. If for example, let's say Ming had made a dial out of slate stone at the same time, then I would be a, a, and and looked at our process and then said okay we we can do exactly the same thing uh, just in a factory and uh, <laughs> then make watches out of that and 
that, that would piss me off. That was but subtle. It, that was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit of the jab there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's a different thing because it's it's all about is this intentional or not? And I, I uh, but then again, I don't think like, uh, for example, people that are copying you and the rings, I'm not sure if they actually know that it's wrong in a way. I, I think yeah, in their minds, yeah. it's kind of, hey, James, help me. And he's a nice guy and stuff. And now I'm going to do this. Uh, and they I want to be actually... a part of the industry too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, it was it was kind of terrible timing. But actually, when I would be speaking back and forth with, with Louis a couple of years ago, we would use this hashtag me too. Because this, I know, it became used for something else. It became used oh, for something God. else that was obviously much more globally important no, than our Nobody go dick up old tweets and Instagram posts. Me too. Well, no, because what we would call me too design yeah. would, would be somebody looking at, say, an Arcanaut and going, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Geez, I think I want to do, do something like that too. I want to say I have a watch brand. Yeah. Yeah. And they look at a couple that are interesting and they just make just close enough to not get yeah, sued. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, if you look at, I don't want to hack on Kickstarter, but you know, fuck you Kickstarter. If you look at 90% of the watches that are coming out there, all these sort of crowdfunded ones, they're all yeah. just far enough away from a Rolex or a Tudor not to get sued. Yeah. Yeah, and if that's exactly. your, if your design department has just pictures of, you know, Rolex <laughs> Submariners all over the walls and they're like, okay, if we just move that little, Microsoft, you know, slider bar. If we just move it two bumps to the left, mm, yeah, yeah, I think I think we can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's just and, the most soul-crushing way to work. I just don't see a point yeah. for it in any way. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like you know, there's no passion in it. Yeah. And if you're working, if you're working from the point of you need to do things with passion, of course you need to have also. A business mind because you need to get, uh, get have things that that actually are viable over time but still if you work with passion you you need to be you know it's not about the money because if it's just about the money we could fucking hell have started like you know <laughs> a, a company making uh, oem watches and then just uh, sold that and probably been successful with it you could just have taken your black badger design and then made a hundreds of thousands of rings in China and then sold them, like and. But that's, I, I think there's we we have talked about this a lot that there's something around the fact being the the artist that actually makes the strokes, you know. That the, yeah, and that's that's. For for better or for worse, intentional or not, I don't know, but that is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, is it, it, just jumping up and jumping on a call with you and whatever kind of dumb crap that we're excited about yeah. stuff stuff related to our watches that just arrived in my studio an hour ago that I'm not allowed to talk about. But holy crap, is it ever awesome? <laughs> the, that the that bags. gets me more excited than than saying, "Oh, hey, I," you know, theoretically, ha, hey, I sold for twenty thousand dollars today. Yeah, I, I didn't. But, you know, that's like, OK, cool, cool. Money's good. Kids are fed. The lights are on in the studio. But that doesn't I don't get excited about that. I don't I don't really get jazzed no. about money, which, which no. is why it's good that I'm not the CFO of uh, 
of Arcanaut. <laughs> it's good that we that we have Boo. I think yeah. <laughs> to, to sometimes say, hey, we, we also need to make some money, guys. Yeah. <laughs> put, put the glasses down, put your pants back on, get yeah. in the studio, go make some money. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it, it, it's, you know, we are excited about the journey, not the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, like, and, like, and I think that shows in the way, or I hope people are sort of getting this, but the way that we're trying to communicate the brand and what we're doing, and this goes right back to what we were just talking about, is is having people kind of be in the passenger seat for us, yeah. right? I mean, if, if you don't work in the design industry, some people just think it's just dead cool. They're like, what, yeah. you just get to sit and draw and pull weird materials out of drawers all day and go, hmm, maybe, hmm, oops, now it's on fire. Like, yeah, the, the average, not even the average person, but just, a lot of people just think that's just an insanely fun way to work. Yeah. I mean, I'm, no. sure, I'm sure if you went to work for the day with friggin' Mick Jagger or something, you'd be like, you know, you got a pretty cool job here, dude. Yeah. And, and having, having people be along for that is, is something that you and I talk about very, very often. But here's the problem. So part of what we want to do um, is, is have people along for the ride and kind of show this, open the sketchbook, yeah. so to speak, because we're not just selling a finished watch. Yeah. You know, there's all these weird processes and there's all these weird little bastard ideas that go up in smoke, literally. And we want to show that because yeah. the cynical business person would say, well, that's how you, that's how you add valuation to the brand as well. But it's mm -hmm. not just stuff that we've picked out of a catalog. This yeah. is, stuff that we're you know mixing in a witch's cauldron kind of thing but the problem is then is then us communicating that it's then quite easy for the shitbirds to just look at that and go oh is that how you do that oh that's a cool idea oh that's yeah. the piece of equipment yeah. i need oh that's that's yeah. how james did that part and then you suddenly see these things kind of showing up in the market yeah and exactly. it's Every, every time I show something of just me polishing a ring in the studio, you know, I get a text from my mom, like, like 10 minutes later saying, don't be giving away all your ideas. <laughs> Cause that's how she sounds. And your, your mom is a smart woman. <laughs> yeah. She's exactly right. But in the era of social media and content creation and stuff. Yeah. That's how we show that there's people behind the brand. Yeah, yeah, true. That it isn't inherited money from Geneva and like I used to be managing director of Breitling and you used to be head of design for Audi or, you know, like a lot of these indie startup brands have some pretty heavy brand names in the basements of them. Yeah, exactly. Know? And with us, it's like just five fat geeks sitting around yeah. a kitchen table in Copenhagen drinking on a Tuesday. Yeah. And and the difficult thing is right that that all the things that we want to talk about is is all the novel things, the processes, the ways we do things that are different because we are, we don't have that money in the bank. So we need to figure out ways to do the same things, the same quality uh, as other brands, but we need to do it 
very specifically in a way where we don't need to buy, you know, 500 uh, parts at the same time. So basically everything is dialed down to, to, to different things that we ha have had to come up with different processes to do that, different designs to do that. And showing how we do that is basically, you know, it's super exciting to show because yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also like, you know, if you, if, if you know how we do it, then you can copy it very easily yourself. Like it's... Well, and even like the, if we're talking about what the Arcanal watch is, like the actual process isn't something that's patent protected, you know, like making, no, no. making, making stuff out of Fordyte. Okay, great. You know, am I the first person to do it? God, no. This stuff's been around since probably the 60s. People have been making things out of it. Um, I'm, I'm working a lot with it right now because I love it and because it's, it's very much in demand with my work. So anybody can get it and anybody can do it. But a lot of people, it's the giving of the idea. It's the giving away yeah. of, the, of the eureka moment that really, yeah. you know, someone goes, oh, I've never thought of that. And then you'll see they'll then tag two or three of their friends on one of my posts. And you look at their friends and they're like other ringmaker friends. Like, oh, we, we should totally do this. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll just go to hell. Yeah, exactly. And I think. The problem is that people are, what they are seeing is basically just a chunk of materials put together in some kind of design. Yeah. And they are not actually thinking about, okay, how much time did you actually be used to actually figure this out and come up with that design? Yeah. Uh, and even if you had just, you have not done that, but even if you had just used 10 minutes it's still stealing somebody else's innovation, right? And that that's wrong uh, if you are a Goliath and if you're David. It's still wrong. It's still wrong to steal from Ro Rolex. Uh, yeah. Because so. there's the whole, oh, well, you know, they're so big, they don't need the money, you know, they'll never notice. Yeah. Well, yeah. sure, but as far as what you're bringing to the industry, all you're doing is just making more noise. You know, everybody yeah. talks about wanting to disrupt the industry. Quit fucking disrupting the industry. <laughs> Just make watches. It's not a revolution. You're not Che Guevara. You're not driving through the streets, yeah. you know, shooting revolvers <laughs> in the air on horseback. <laughs> Just fucking make watches, man. And everybody, it seems like they're more interested in disrupting the industry than being part of a successful industry. Cutting you out know, the middleman. Cutting out this is the watch Switzerland doesn't want you to see. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And fuck it just off. makes you sound like, exactly fuck off. It just makes you sound like a grumpy old man. Yeah. Griping about this kind of stuff. But the problem is, is that it's just become there's this kind of ambivalence about it. I mean, a lot of these designers, I promise you, I I don't think they know just how terrifying it is to look at a blank piece of paper. And go, okay, this yeah, blank piece of paper is what's going to feed my kids next year. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and I tell you, if you don't think a blank piece of paper makes an audible noise that you can hear when it's looking back at you, it is pure terror. Yeah. As, it, as compared it, to just going on Instagram and saying, oh, man, have you seen the new, uh, the new Haute Lance? Have you seen the new Fears? Have you seen, oh, have you seen what Anne Ordain did? Have you seen what Patrick did of yeah. the EOS styles? 
you know, and suddenly you're doing the ransom note. You're taking a yeah, little bit yeah, of this and yeah. a little bit of that. And it, it just doesn't benefit anybody. And it's, it's just lazy. It pisses me off because it's just lazy. Yeah, it, it is fucking lazy because it, it, it kind of bypasses all the difficult things because, you know, you, you need to come up with a good idea. Uh, you need to uh, figure out if you can sell it which is fucking difficult. Which is a whole other problem, yeah. Which, and then you need to figure out how to actually make it, which is also fucking difficult. <laughs> and, and like, uh, and then you can make it, maybe make it in, in you know, one piece, like a prototype, but that doesn't mean that you can actually do a production of, you know, 30 pieces, uh, 50 pieces, right? So, that's the fucking things things that you bypass. It's all the things that actually matter. It's the journey that actually gets you because then you try to figure out how to actually make the stuff and then you come up with an even better idea and then you do this and then you do that then you fail a couple of a lot of times and then you actually come come up with the actual idea that that's actually great. And that's, See, and that's what you bypass. That's a point that you and I keep coming coming back to. Usually, when we're sitting in a beer in a in a beer hall at two o'clock in the morning, grumbling because <laughs> that's how we work. But <laughs> it, two it, two in the afternoon, dude. Two in the afternoon <laughs> is that better? I think that's actually better. Um, there doesn't talking very grumpy old man, broad strokes. There doesn't seem to be the same thirst for creating or discovering new knowledge. And I don't know if it's a Google generation thing where I can. Ask me anything, and yeah. I can probably get you an answer inside of two minutes. Yeah. As compared to staring at the blank piece of paper saying, okay, nobody's ever made a watch out of carrots before. What yeah. the hell do I do? And there's yeah. nobody you can ask because no one's done it. Yeah, and I think that yeah, I, I think you're entirely right, and that's actually an interesting thought like that nobody actually wants to learn something new. Um, I'm just going to ask somebody difficult. who's already done it. And if I'm yeah. asking, right, if I'm opening up the encyclopedia, so to speak, I'm looking at something that somebody else has already discovered. It's not new knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And what we really work with, for better or for worse, is is really trying to push ourselves off off the edge of that map. Yeah. And there, there is nobody that we can ask about a lot of these things because no one's been stupid enough to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, a true. lot of the big brands, Ublo or something, you know, might have tried one of these ideas, but they, they really can't because they're such a big company that to just try a little experimental thing is going to cost a hundred times more than having you or I just kind of fuck around in the studio for an afternoon yeah. going, huh, okay, you can't make a watch out of carrots. <laughs> now we know. Yeah. And and that's something that I think is a lot of the a lot of the romance behind behind Arcanaut is we almost feel indebted to our clients to we will never give them the sensible steel diver watch with the blue <laughs> dial that looks a little yeah. bit too much like a you know Rolex blah blah whatever. We'll we'll never do that. And if it gets to the point that it's looking like we have to start doing that, well then we'll just say F it and we'll go do something else and that'll be the end of the brand. Yeah. You know, like that's just kind of the the little 
and then we we, we kind Blood of Blood oath that we have yeah exactly <laughs> we don't live up uh, to 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 you know our own name uh, travelers into hidden knowledge and that, yeah. that's what we should keep doing right it, if we get to a point where we are just doing the same thing over and over and again because it's the easy thing, then why even bother? Like it's yeah. that's not interesting. Like even if we made you know ten million bucks a year or something like that, I'm just coming up with a big number <laughs> because I was kind of calculating in my head a number in. Danish kroners and then <laughs> converting that to dollars, yeah. But but still, even if we made a lot of fucking money, and um, I, I just think, and we just did the same thing over and over again because that's how you often make a lot of money, right? <laughs> that wouldn't be fucking interested, interesting, like at all. It, it's it's kind of just like well then the only thing that we need to even bother about is just marketing and sales. And, and that's yeah, and, just, it, and it would be a brand that was, you wouldn't need designers. You would just need a couple well-connected yeah. intelligent buyers, you know, like it would be an, a company that was about numbers. Yeah, exactly. If, if you buy something for $2 and sell it for $2 50 cents over a long enough trajectory, it'll become quite good. Yeah. And that's just, it's just not us. I mean, the, by any stretch of the imagination. No, exactly. And uh, I also wanting, think wanting to share these things that have gone bad, right? I mean, this was our. Yeah. Hope we're not cursing too much for this podcast, but your idea of fuck up Fridays. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I thought it was just absolutely brilliant because, like, when I was first showing pictures of of the Black Badger rings, I would I went and got this little desktop setup photo studio thing. It was all the right angle and the right lighting coming from two places and everything just looked so good yeah. that it just was dull as shit. It was so boring. <laughs> Nobody liked the pictures. I couldn't care less. Uh, but then I'd be at the pub with some friends a couple days later and it was when I was first doing the glow rings and he would charge it up and it would have it sitting on the middle of a table with all these empty beer glasses in the background and a candle and rough wooden table or something. And the picture was so much more interesting because it looked like it was the ring was in somebody's life. You could envision mm. this thing on your hand while you were out for dinner with your friends, whatever, as compared to just yeah. sitting in a sterile studio. Yeah, um, and it, and if you do that, it also looks at uh, as something that you could all, order off Alibaba or something like. Well, it, well, exactly. <laughs> it's like the more anonymous and clean the picture is the less you believe it now, because it could just be a computer rendering. Yeah. You know, I mean, given enough time, you could do a computer rendering of an apple and make it look just spectacular and like no apple you've ever seen. This is the apple Switzerland doesn't want you to know about, you know, kind of crap. <laughs> I like that you your example is a, <laughs> an apple. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this... this um culture of copy yeah is is uh, realistically there's no way out of it i don't know it seems to be more of a moral thing than a business thing it just like if your main design tool is control c and control v 
I fucking just want nothing to do with you. Yeah. You know. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like a culture of non-creative. Like yeah. we, we shouldn't be uh, be creative at all. And I actually think this is also it it's stem because I know this also, you know, I've talked about this before that if you meet with investors, for example, then they will tell you you need to like take this design and if it works then you need to sell a thousand of it because that that's how you make the money that i want back because i want my money back 10 15 times uh, 20 times 100 times right yeah and so i think a lot of a lot of the a lot of brands get an investor and the investor doesn't pay for design he pays yeah. for marketing and sales and and that's what he pays for and the most certain thing that he can see is also take something that already works and then change it a bit and then sell that because we already know there's a market for this yeah um, so i think a lot of times it, it is also you know if you're not truly independent if you have somebody that that's interested in just making money or sees it as an investment to just you know triple their gains or whatever then then that will become a primary uh, a primary goal or aspiration for the company like and uh, and it's a difficult thing because we have also talked about you know it could be awesome to get an investor or something so we don't always need to worry about you know liquidity and the the financials and also need to you know we can't buy too much of a, a you know, uh, make too many parts and uh, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, we don't want to be or, sort of having to go out and buy 10,000 watch cases. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Kind of thing, uh, because we need to sort of protect ourselves against an unexpected eureka moment of, oh my God, that's it. And yeah. And suddenly it's like, oh, okay, well, crap, what do we do? Do we, do we sell off the extra cases to another <laughs> brand or do we... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we use them over and over again, and that that that's the difficult thing because if you talk to investors, that's probably what they want to do, and I know yeah. that's what they want to do because I've talked to a lot of investors, and they they what they see is is making money, and it's difficult to find somebody that that's actually of the mindset that this is not just a usual investment. It's kind of you know. Um, I don't want to see artists art, that it's art because that's I, I think it's it's like um, it, it doesn't sound right in a way. But uh, but, <laughs> well, no, but, but I was it's watching still, it's something uh, else, right? I was watching Dragons Den. It, it was on for a little bit before I went to bed last night. I just obsessively love this show, and every time I watch the show, I'm always you're always thinking in the back of your head, you know, how would you do on this show? And I'm like, I would get just massacred. Yeah, because they'd be like, you know, run for your numbers. Ah, I don't really know. Okay, how yeah. much did you do last year? Uh, I don't know about this <laughs> much. Yeah, and and what what's your plan to to what's scale? your plan? Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's your plan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, quit drinking. <laughs> but but a lot of this is actually exactly that when they're talking about the numbers side of thing and they're saying, okay. The, this is a really, really cool idea, but I don't think it's a scalable idea. This is something I was watching a couple of days ago because the brand depends on 
this one person who was, you know, super artsy, crafty kind of stuff, fantastic artist. Like, I don't think it's scalable because it's not like we can make more of you. Yeah. We can make more of the product, but the product maybe isn't that interesting without this person. Yeah. And we can't replicate the person. So they'd be like, I think you'll do quite well. I think you'll have a great following, but I don't think it's something that I can invest in because I don't think it's something I can actually scale up enough to make it interesting. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, if you're now flooding the market with 50,000 instead of five <laughs> of whatever yeah. this item this person made, the market isn't big enough. And that within about two months, everybody who wants one is going to have one. Yeah. And what comes next? But, but that's the interesting thing, uh, right? Because really innovative things and really creative stuff and like real art is often not appreciated like mm. in the beginning. Like, because there's no market yet. There's nobody doing it. There's no, no like, proof of concept in a way from, from the market. Like, you can maybe show, hey, I've actually sold 30, 30 pieces and that 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 did well. And then they're thinking, like, yeah, right, but can you sell 3,000? Because that's yeah. that's what we need to actually make this into a business. And... And don't get me wrong, because you also you you really need on a team. You really need the you know uh, you you need you know you need Captain Kirk that's very intuitive, and then you need <laughs> a, a, a spark that's just very logical and kind of you know somebody on the bridge like boo our you know the angry <laughs> I the angry business guy <laughs> angry business guy because or else like we'll just you know. Be Captain Kirk off by himself, uh, firing on on uh, you, you know like uh, an alien planet. That could be one of these. Like if if Star Trek did one of these multiverse type movies, and you end up with like <laughs> up on the bridge, and you've got like four Captain Kirks. Yeah, <laughs> that would, that I, what an absolute so epic disaster that would be. <laughs> Just William Shatner five times. That just that a bag of Shatner. That, that would yeah. be about a ten minute movie. Everyone's like, hang on, I've got an idea. Yeah. Big explosion, <laughs> big explosion, and credits. <laughs> MacGruber. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of like like it's always a balance, right? Because also like I think you are entirely right by uh, by saying that it's a lot of the times it's the people behind it, and when those people are gone, then that the art, the innovation, the creativity just goes out the window. Well, because... and you can absolutely tell, you know, think of a, a restaurant that you really like going to and it gets really popular and then suddenly you go there again and it's like, it's the same place, but it's just yeah. kind of feels different. And you're like, Hey, what happened? And they're like, Oh no, the, the owner wanted to, she wanted to retire. So she sold it and it's a, a new person running it. Yeah. Like, ah, crap. Ah, crap. I don't want to be here. Yeah. It, it, even a, another example is, you know, like Apple. You know, like yeah. after Steve Jobs died, then like the innovation just like disappeared. They, yeah. they, they've done nothing like real new in, you know, 10 years. Uh, and, uh, but, but I think at the same time, if you're a watch company, for example, the thing I'm always thinking about in my head is kind of, I don't want Arcanaut to disappear when I die. Like I really want it to be like that, there's still a place where people can go and get their watch repaired and, uh, you know, 
like talk to an Arcanaut person. So how do you transfer the culture and and this is just, you know, it's so so stupid because it's it's kind of, you know, thinking so many years in, in, in ahead uh, when when we are just like in our infancy, but still I think it's it's an interesting thing to think about. Can you even transfer that to to somebody else? Can you learn that? Can you like uh, well, but that's I a really that... good way of looking at the brand, though, is because we are discussing the legacy. Yeah. What's going to become of Arcanaut when you and I are old and retired or gone down in a hail of police gunfire or whatever you say? And, you know, maybe uh, Alfie and Rosie, my kids, are, are yeah. the, I the new bosses think... of it. Like, how, how cool would that be? Would they do things the same? Would they even want to do it? But sometimes that's also a good thing that the the new people that you know that I think that's the only real good examples of people where they have taken the taking the company they have stayed true to the values but they have done something new still that's when you have a family owned business yeah yeah um, you don't see that if if it's just like some some corporate head that just takes over it's re- very rare at least. And, well, and I even think those... this, this kind of hustle startup oh, yeah. mentality, it's, you know, I want to start big and I want to hit the crap out of this and I want to sell it within two years and cash yeah. out and go do something else. I don't know. Maybe that's a good business model for people smarter than me, but it, it, it's just never had the slightest bit of appeal. I, I, you think know, I mean, it's... if I was in this for the money, I would have done Black Badger a hell of a lot different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, and I, I think it's so toxic to think that way, and it's really toxic to yeah. teach, you know, yeah, young minds that, hey, uh, you should just think about the exit already. You should yeah. think about selling your company for ten million, and some people will do it, but most most people are not fucking Steve Jobs. They're yeah. not like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't see myself as, as like that hyper skilled guy. I'm willing to learn, but don't, it's not. Don't worry, it, I don't it, think anybody sees you as Steve Jobs. That's true. But, but, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people think about themselves as, as Steve, Steve Jobs or a hustler, you know, uh, somebody who can just work uh, 30 hours a day. And you know, it, it wake up uh, twenty minutes before they go to sleep. It's, it, it's so fucking insane that this culture well, you, because it's you know what it's actually really really uh, I wouldn't say funny that you would mention that, but uh, two nights ago I watched the Anthony Bourdain movie. I think it's called Roadrunner. Oh yeah, uh, on on Netflix and just a fantastic movie. One of my absolute favorite people on the planet. Like, talk about who a dream client. You know, everyone's like, who would be your dream client? If we could have had yeah. Anthony Bourdain wearing something, yeah, that would have just yeah. been shit hot. Because he was super legit, right? But yeah. what he was, yeah. what a lot of the people were talking about in this movie was, you know, he had this sort of, every time he would say to somebody, you know, it's not like he needs to introduce himself. Everyone knew who he was. But when he would describe his job, everyone's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, you're in Bangkok today having dinner with some fantastic exciting person then you're flying up to egypt tomorrow then you're in new york then you're in the arctic and the, the guy was on the road 275 days a year yeah of just hotels you know probably i mean pretty damn nice ones 
but just being on the road that much. And that's, I think a lot of them were speculating. That's what kind of just wore him out was he just, you just end up feeling so lost yeah, because you're just kind of skipping around the world all the time. And that's just not something we want to do. I want to do at all by any stretch. No, no, no. Like uh, I, I think you, you need to have a very good balance in life. Most people do. Then there's like you know, sociopaths uh, that that can <laughs> you know that don't care about other people, that don't care about their family, that don't care about friends, um, and uh, it's all right to also be that you know workaholic, uh, and where you you actually work those hours every day, and you're probably going to outcompete everybody. But I, I just think it's dangerous to tell people that everybody can be like that because they're not. And then when they fail with it, that's when you get stress. That's when you get depression. That's when people, like, it, it's leading people into a, a very toxic environment, I think, like work environment. I mean, I definitely um, got caught up in that a couple of years ago. And it, it, it's going to make me sound like an absolute moron to say this out loud, but I think a lot of that was basically because so much of my work and so much of my my connection to the world was all via Instagram. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have a physical shop, a store where somebody could walk in and talk to you and look at stuff and get feedback. It yeah. was all via my fucking iPhone. Yeah. And I was quite literally making myself sick over this. I was getting probably more depressed than I admitted to myself. And I was just going absolutely nuts because I was believing this quote unquote hustle, the grind, you know, like, and there was these fucking guys that would post like, here's me sitting, you know, having a high power business meeting at uh, six o'clock on a Sunday morning, hashtag always hustling, always grinding. And it's it's embarrassing that I believed it. I was completely yeah. convinced that every minute that I was sitting there reading a book with my two-year-old son, you know, in the back of my head, there was always, oh, but I bet you that guy to, is discovering something else. Yeah. I need to be grinding. And, and, and the problem with the, the, the whole social media thing is that that's, not, that's probably not true, right? It, it's, it's absolutely a, untrue, yeah it's kind of something they want to propagate because everybody else is is saying they work, you know, so many hours. And I've seen also fucking people say that they work, you know, 20 hours a day or something, some shit like that. And then when you actually work with them, they don't do anything else than sit on the flat ass and, and watch TikTok videos or YouTube videos or some shit. Like, I had a that's couple of friends work. when I was in design school that were like this. They, they would always, and these are very, very good friends of mine. But they would always be, uh, they, they liked coming to school late and like working all through the night. So that's your night owls. That's fine. Whatever. I would get there at eight o'clock in the morning, bust my ass. And by about 430, I'm like, I'm out of here. You know, see you tomorrow. And I got all the work done. I, some of it was good. But what was a problem was when you were doing group projects, we had a couple quite large group projects and it would be like, I've been there since eight o'clock in the morning. It's four thirty now. I'm starting to pack up my desk. And buddy, buddy, who likes to work all night at school, is like, "No, James, no, you can't go home. No, we're just getting started. Why are you going so early?" Yeah, I'm like, "You gotta be it's... fucking kidding!" And I would stay later because I was working on something else. And now, let's say it gets to be seven or eight o'clock at night, and 
the guy's gone out for, you know, a two hour lunch or he's watching funny TikTok videos or YouTube videos and just screwing around having, having like yeah. a club, a clubhouse afternoon. And it's like, you're not actually achieving anything by being here so much. Nope. You know, nope. and it's just, if I can do the, the same amount of successful work in two hours that you do really casually in six hours in the evening, if I'm invoicing you for the work, if we're doing this as proper intelligent designers and not burnout students, <laughs> which invoice are you going to want to get? Yeah. Exactly. The, one for, the one for two hours or the one for seven hours? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's basically this idea that, uh, that input is so important that uh, the hours you put into some, and I, I've also getting caught, you, you notice that uh, like last year when, just before they re released the dark matter and stuff, I was down. I had a total burnout, like yeah. uh, totally out for. I think it was two months or something. Where, like, can uh, we can we actually talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. Because I because I kind of went through sort of something similar not not too long ago. Of you just finally go, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I would be standing here in my workshop, and I kid you not, I would I would catch myself like just staring at the wall for like 45 minutes going, I <laughs> just don't know what I to do. Don't what, uh, uh, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's a serious thing. I mean, uh, I, I, I think for me, it, it was basically, you know, uh, we had, you know, orders for the dark matter. We need to solve, uh, we needed to solve a lot of things. And I also had the, you know, that mentality of if I don't work, you know, uh, all night and uh, and uh, don't wake up at, uh, you know, five o'clock and work and stuff like that, then it won't be successful. You have that voice in your he head, like, would you, in a year, would you, uh, you would you forgive yourself for actually, you know, uh, for, for not putting in the hours? And that turned out to be a very wrong strategy because I yeah. in, ended up having a total burnout. And I also think it was, it, it was something to do with, you know, it, it was during Corona and we had like problems with production. And I had like this idea that, okay, we had fucking promised people that we would uh, send their watches at this point. And, yeah. um, and then we ran into problems. Then we got, you know, things back. Uh, we, we tried some things and then, it was kind of like we need to change this part because uh, like it, it's not working in the design and stuff so it kept get pushed and and i think in my mind i was just thinking about the customers oh no fuck man uh, a lot of them will will get angry or some shit like and it was kind of like that voice in your head that's always saying like you will fail if you don't you know yeah. just grind the fuck out of this and then i ended up burning standing, out and standing in the kitchen having a glass of water and a voice in your head going tick tock tick tock motherfucker you know yeah yeah I mean, exactly um, and that's just so dangerous because you kind of yeah, like you notice it when when you know you're you're having a burnout then it's kind of like you're answering answering you're sitting writing the same email to the same guy and not noticing that you have already sent that email. I did that to, to one of our customers where I answered the email twice 
two different times. And <laughs> and then then you know, okay, some, something is fucking wrong because uh, you you have like this cognitive uh, decline in a way. So and uh, your memory becomes fucked, and all all these different. Well, it's like you're so you're so used to having your your brain CPU. Yeah. running at 100% with yeah. the fan going and stuff that you you kind of forget how to go okay here's my yeah. list of the four people i have to email i'm going to go have yeah. a cup of coffee then i'm going to yeah. come back and email these people yeah and i would i would try and do that you know I, I, my wife is a very intelligent organized woman and she would say just make I know lists and do this and i would try that and i would sit down and i would make the list then i would come back 3 days later and say oh what's this list Oh Christ! And yeah. now there's eleven people that, and I would just spiral myself up to the point yeah. that, like, I would be. This is a little embarrassing. Throwing tools around in my studio here, just whipping things around, ready to just completely turn into the Hulk. And they'd be like, "What's the matter?" I'm like, "Fucking people keep buying stuff." Yeah. <laughs> like, pro. why don't these assholes <laughs> leave me alone? Kind of thing. Like it was. That, that that was sort of when I really had to I I, I closed down Black Badger for for several months yeah um and just really really needed to needed to take a step back because I was so used to always having the CPU going but you know I'd be at the park on a Sunday uh, supposed to be you know pushing my two year old daughter on the swings and I would have four different people you know sending me IMs. Uh, asking about their their, rating or yeah. their project or whatever, yeah. and I would lose track and suddenly realize that I've been sitting here swearing at my phone for 25 minutes, and I look up and now my my son has come over from the other side of the park, and he's yeah. sitting there pushing my little girl on the swing, and they're both sitting there looking kind of sad while Daddy is swearing at his phone, like yeah. that's fucking that's not good enough, man. And if that's what it takes to run a business. Then I don't then, fucking want the business. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's, it's it's just that simple. It's it's. I think like it's actually interesting. We we met with your cousin, and he was kind of saying something that that I found found like, I, like on your behalf, I became proud almost. And he said that when I think about James, I'm not thinking about like Black Batch and stuff. I'm thinking that he's the family man and good father. Like, and I think that's hmm. uh, you know that that's deep, man. That's that's not yeah. just you know, and that's so much more important, right? That you can you can have a business. You can I'm not supposed to actually, cry in a machine shop for Christ's sake. <laughs> but but yeah. that's also when when I'm out visiting you, I, I see how uh, how great a dad you are, and that means something more than just running a business right you're running the business for your family and not the other way way around so yeah we used to have this expression like like first year design school back in canada and it was one of our drawing teachers this guy uh matt kosminski who was just spectacular one of the coolest guys i ever met and he would always say don't design to impress other designers this was for like a you know, design sketching class, draw, draw a sofa, draw a table, who cares, whatever, you're learning how to draw. And they would say, don't design something to impress the other designers. You're a designer, you're not an artist. An artist, do whatever the hell you want. Designer, it needs to be manufactured, it needs to be sold, yeah. it needs to be et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So don't, basically he was saying, don't get caught up in the hustle. 
you know, yeah. like, like yeah. if the person sitting next to you is an infinitely better sketch artist, well, cool. Okay. You might be way better at uh, computer renderings or model making or like whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. But, but sort of finding that balance of who you are, I think, it, to be honest, it, I kind of wish there would have been a bit more of that coming up through design school and not just another yeah. fucking sketching with markers kind of class. But it's a fu fucking difficult thing today because, uh, like, you know, uh, when you're actually, it, it, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do when you have, like, social media. Because then you can always compare yourself to everybody else. You can see how many likes they get on their pictures. You can see how many followers do, do they have. Like you can pro you can go in and see uh, how many pieces in the watch industry. You, you can kind of like calculate how many pieces do they sell each year. So you are always yeah. comparing yourself to somebody else, and that's a toxic thing because then you're playing somebody else's game instead of playing your own game. Because in your own game, you can set your own rules. And, See, I don't really like, know if it's a social media thing. I think it's definitely an, an issue. But like, if you look back to 30, 30 something years ago, you know, like sort of typical high school girl's bedroom, and it's got all the pictures in the walls of all the, the famous supermodels, you know, whoever they were yeah, in the yeah, fashion and stuff. Yeah, that's true. You know, and they'd be like, oh man, I wish I, wish I had uh, a nose like Christy Turling. I wish I had a. Oh, chin like Cindy Crawford. Oh, I wish I was skinny like this one. I wish I was tall like that one. It's no different than than me going through going, God, I wish, God, I wish I could design a watch like the Grindfeld brothers. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Fuck, yeah. have you seen that new Patek? Oh my God. Have you seen the new uh, Eric Giraud sketches? They are unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's it's professionalism. So it's kind of seen as, well, it's the hustle. I'm just trying to keep yeah. up with people. But it's really no different than the sad 14 year old girl with an eating disorder on the horizon because yeah. all she sees is these spectacularly beautiful women on the wall all day yeah that's true except with us it's fucking turbillions and it's guillotte and it's Cote de Genève and i yeah and i actually try to keep myself out of you know the loop in the watch industry because because of that because i get I, <laughs> out of I the get... loop that's good that's a watch <laughs> pun <laughs> and uh, you know i i get I get I, I get fucking jealous. I get angry when I see somebody doing something that's fucking great because I'm like, fuck man, that guy is genius. <laughs> I have the same. It's why I will never it's why I don't watch basketball. Okay, because I can't do it at all. I see Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan uh, dunk from Jordan. the foul line. Michael Jordan. I see him dunk from the foul line. I'm like, fuck that guy, I can't do that. You know, or like magicians. Yeah. I refuse to see magicians at all because what? it's not it. Because I don't have this, oh, that's amazing. That's so mysterious. I'm like, fuck you. Tell me how you did it. I have to know how you did it. Please tell me. I will, I'll stop punching you if you tell me how you did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, like that, I, I like that you, you, you choose instead of something from your own industry, you choose like basketball and, and well, sure. magic. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, look, just come see my show in Vegas, okay? You'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, the Black Badger. <laughs> Black Badger. It, it to needs be to be called Black Badger Unleashed. <laughs> and oh then, God! Then, then you're going to do a, a you know, an escape. Uh, uh, escape from a tank full of piranhas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unleashed. Oh, I will never, God. ever, ever do anything more called Unleashed. Good Lord. Yeah. I think over the course of 
Corona stuff, I did about, uh, it must've been like at least three sort of podcast or interview or sort of feature type things. And I think every single one of them was called Black Badger Unleashed. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody wants that. What people would like is to hear James Thompson. Hi, my name is James. I don't yeah. introduce myself as Black Badger. Hi, I'm James. I'm going to answer your questions politely and succinctly and not disrupt as, the industry because the industry is doing just fine. Yeah, as the Black Badger. Answering oh, shut up. Like, in, a, in a growly voice, yeah, I, I'm the Black Badger. No, I'm thinking more like that scene in Step Brothers with uh, Will Ferrell and John Riley when they're walking into the uh, the job interview with tuxedos. Oh yeah, just yeah. knocking people over. We're here to we're here to fuck shit up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I think uh, we've used up our our time. It's uh, I don't know if anybody is actually listening uh, this long, but if you are, then uh, we are happy you're here. Um, we have well, a you know lot. What? I mean. God bless them if they're listening, but I think a conversation like this, this was basically just for you and I. Yeah, it was actually great to just record this because, yeah, a great... It'll probably great be called upon to be testimony at some point in the future, but... <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. That, that was when, when it went wrong. Uh, Let's get subpoenaed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, absolute, cool. absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, sir. pleasure, man. Uh, see you soon. See you in uh, Geneva. Yeah, yeah. We should, we should do an episode when we are in uh, Geneva. S- sitting in our hotel room talking about all the fancy parties that we didn't get invited to. Yeah, <laughs> like we're going to do our own party. We don't need your cool kids party. I don't, we are, I we're don't gonna. Need, I don't need anybody. I got. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. Okay. Cool, we'll man. Very, it'll you. be very popular. Yeah. We'll speak soon, pal. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Howdy, y'all. My name's Big Tex, although I'm actually from Canada. I've got one hell of an offer for y'all. The all-new Reverse-O-Matic car. The car with one gear going forward and six gears in reverse. Reverse-O-Matic. When you really need to back up. <laughs>